actually I drink anything. What I really like is beer. But it um, seems to put on a bit too much weight. And I've been on a diet recently and uh, oh, I suppose what's keeping me awake are these tablets that I'm taking to, uh, to curb the, uh, the appetite. Well, I haven't done too badly, you know, since uh, Christmas night I've lost, uh, lost about a stone. Well, I'll check it up when I go to, uh, before I go to bed, I'll uh, weigh myself again. So, are you still awake or have you fallen asleep? Hmm, no, still awake. Just mucking around here at the moment, actually. Um, just make sure I'm still getting out here, because I was, uh, Still disconnecting things from the modulator while you were talking, uh, Tom. Oh, um, who was that guy um, that you said died at, at the ABC? And I'll, I'll pass it on to uh, Jim Hopley. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Just wondering why meters are flicking all over the place here. Um. Actually, I might. Rec your audio sounds really nice. I might just record a bit and just play you back, you know, 10 seconds of it to you. Yeah, I think it's it's recording now, actually. Is that working? It should be working. Um, it'll be recording me, too. Um, yeah, well, if you're listening, if you're still listening. Uh, Jim Hopley died. Did you know him? Yes, I did. Oh, fair enough. Well, apparently he's he snuffed it now. Mm, one of those ones. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of days ago, I think um, Tom said. So, uh, I'll just grab my notes. Um, made a couple of last-minute frantic notes. Uh, sort of whipped through them rather quickly. Um, you may have noticed, Tom, <laughs> um, you and I have hooked up, I think, two or three times and we haven't really had a long contact. Um, the funny thing is, uh, I could, um, you and I, I know, if we started talking, could quite easily talk on for seven, eight, ten hours. Um, and always I seem to be in the middle of doing something the last few weeks or the last few months. And... Um, I'm just trying to straighten out the modulator at the moment and things should calm down a bit after that. I'll be sort of um, out looking for a job, but apart from that I'll, uh, um, I'll be able to sit down and enjoy the equipment and use it again instead of trying to uh, fix it all the time. So, uh, well, just, just the comments that you're making then. Um, just about everything I wrote down. I think I wrote down a few of the things that you uh, you brought up. Even though I, while you were talking, I was listening to you on the transistor radio, actually, out on the back friend, and I had the modulator out of the rack again. I unsoldered the wire to it. The uh, little audio lead I had going up into the driver, I unsoldered that, and um, I was sort of hoping you'd talk for a while, give me time to get it all undone and get the thing back into the rack again. Yeah, okay, on 20 metres. I've, I've never had any experience at 20 metres, but um, different world. Yeah. It's quite a, a, an interesting analogy, saying it's like the difference between a, an international flight and a 
bus trip around the city. Yeah, I can sort of imagine that. Like I've, I have listened to Twenty Year Course at different times and ran at different people's places. <laughs> Today's his last day. Well, tomorrow will be. Next week. He starts at three. Okay, beautiful music. A lot of very sad faces at um, ABC since he uh, made his decision to uh, move on. This the tape recording came came through rather well. Um, it's uh, it's one thing to uh, monitor your own transmission. It's, it's another thing to hear him play back, isn't it? I think when I get a decent aerial, I'll be um, able to load this transmitter up a lot more heavily and probably uh, get more signal up to your place and around uh, Melbourne. Because I should be able to run 120 watts up the stick with this thing. Or over 100 watts anyway, uh, should be... Um, able to be put out but uh, certainly uh, nowhere near it at the moment uh, just can't load it up to uh, anything higher so oh well I just have to uh, as I say grit and bear it I do something. I must admit, I'm not particularly enthusiastic either. What I what I have been thinking about getting uh, sometime later on is uh, probably a two-meter um, rig. It'll probably be the best, I think, uh, in the flat here. Might uh, put this old transmitter out at Nidri. but not for a while yet. In fact, maybe what I should do is bring my uh, transceiver down here. I've, uh, I've got a Kenwood uh, TS520 out there. Bring it down and operate it from here. But then I think, oh yeah, I have to build big aerials and that, and uh, it might be easier just to uh, Go on two metres with a quarter wave on top of the roof. Yeah, it's a, uh, how come you uh, you should have dropped in, uh, Tom? If you're actually walking past the place, if you see a white a white HR parked out the front, it might be on this side of the road or it might be on the other side of the road. But um, if you see that parked there, I'm home. So you should do drops. The other thing, oh, the flat. Yes, okay. On the problems with the antennas and so on. No problems understanding that. Yes. I suppose an inverted L might be the best thing because you could probably conceal it in some way if it ran up the side of the, the building and just threw it across the roof or something. Might be able to try and do something like that. I think an inverted L is probably the best all-round antenna for 160 anyway, in any respects. The efficiency that you get out of them is more or less proportional to how much of a decent earth system you can put in. You sort of attach get all the earth, earthy things that you can find around the place like water pipes and garden stakes and things like that and join them all up together with bits of wire and away you go.
pardon me. Anyway, it's obvious that we've got a lot of friends in common. As I think I said once before, I've heard Matt referring to you uh, <clears throat> on many more than, than one occasion in the past when he's been talking about the ABC and various escapades that uh, he and the rest of the mob over there used to get up to, uh, except it was under your old call sign, uh, was it 3AYT, I think it was, something like that. Your name cropped up, cropped up on uh, many occasions to do with uh, all sorts of things. Don't think there was anything else. I'll sort of stick it back to you. And There's one little problem in the modulator, or one, one part of the modulator I haven't looked at, and I was just looking at it then. It's given me a clue for one more thing I could try, actually. So The, the saga drags on. I'll tape a bit of you and play you back, play, play a little bit of it back to you. You'll be able to get a good listen to uh, what it sounds like, if you like there, Tom. Although I'm only recording you through a... Um, uh, a transistor radio, but it's um, it's fairly broad and it's reasonably low distortion. So if you accept the fact that it's just recorded through a transistor radio, because you're fairly strong here, and of course I can just pick you up walking around the walking around the house on the transistor. If you can sort of take that into account, well, uh, it might be of some some interest. Yeah. Yes, uh, well, I'm listening to you on a transistor radio anyway. Because that's all I've got here. <laughs> Just, uh, oh, it's a little, uh, oh, it's only a transistor. Which I tweaked up. I think perhaps the first time I heard you on the M, it'd be, uh, be about, oh, God, when was it? I had a motorbike at the time, so I would have had the motorbike in about 1970, um, I suppose, 73, because um, I remember I had this little transistor radio, and at that time Matt was uh, living down at, um, hello, uh, down at uh, Cardigan Street, and I remember going there once, I remember it was a pretty, uh, well, it's a pretty, well, I thought it was a grotty place, you know, but uh, to me it was uh, just typical of... Uh, was that whole university type crowd, you know, uh, about that time that... Was Labour in or not? I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, when all that university crowd type of... Um, that bo what I call a bohemian uh, existence that a lot of them used to live up around the university in some of those old terraced houses. Of course, now you couldn't be able to buy them for under about 200000 But nobody wanted them then. You can't uh, you can't buy them now because uh, they're too darn expensive. So I remember going around there one night because Matt um, got this transistor radio and he uh, he adjusted it, and I, I think we heard you coming through. And I've got a feeling, uh, now I'm not sure on this, but I have a feeling that possibly you know, I came to your place one night. I know that I've been to your place oh, a long time ago. 
long time ago. And I've got a feeling it may have been with Matt, and it could have been that night that I was at Cardigan Street, but I'm not sure. Too long ago, be six, seven years ago. Easy. And I've got a feeling now, you might tell me this, it'd be, it'd have to be back in the late 60s or... It'd have to be around the early 70s anyway. Uh, no, it wouldn't be early 70s. It'd have to be late 60s or 1970. I think my father was alive at the time and he and I used to go into the, uh, the Wireless Institute uh, monthly, uh, the monthly meeting. And I've got a feeling that you used to go there too. Uh, and sit down the back and oh, there's the, I think Ian, uh, Three Mike Ocean, used to come in every so often. I don't know whether you know Ian or not. Which reminds me, Ian's probably over in Europe now. He was talking about going over there to... Uh, I'm having a, having a beer, actually, at the moment. Uh, Ian was going uh, around to uh, Finland and... Uh, going from Finland up around the uh, northern part of the... Uh, is it the Baltic there? Yes, the Baltic, and round into Sweden. And at this time of the year, especially uh, when it's the long days there now, or the long nights, I mean, and the sun probably only rises for a few hours each day. And uh, I think the temperatures get down to about minus 30 or minus 40 degrees Celsius which uh, it amazes me that uh, they even keep the roads open now. Now people get up in those temperatures and do their work is completely beyond me. Like it's hard enough to get up in the middle of winter here, let alone when it's about minus 30 below. But he said he'd been there once before and he, uh, he just wanted to see what it was going to be like in the winter. bloody cold if you ask me. In fact, uh, I'm not one of these people that likes the uh, winter. I, in fact, I hate it. Because I don't like the snow. In fact, uh, the day after I got back uh, from uh, the States this year, I spent two months in America. Now, that's uh, if you want to go on a holiday, that's... Uh, <laughs> if you like to go on a holiday and have, like to have a... If you like to have a really good time, if you like... If you like nightlife, if you like uh, just, you know, different places to go to, uh, uh, certainly recommend the United States. You've got, um, I just, everywhere you go, there's always lots to do. And if you ever go over there, if you don't go to, uh, if you don't go to New York, there's something wrong with you, because... Oh, it's just the most... Uh, I reckon it's the most incredible city in the world, New York. It's uh, As soon as you get there, you, you just feel as though uh, you're alive. <laughs> how, how could you describe it? It's, uh, maybe it's the excitement of being there. I know it's a terribly exciting city. And uh, just just to be there... 
you know, watching, just watching all the various types of people, and there's a lot of strange characters. A lot of strange characters in New York. <laughs> like, you, like you've never seen before. Yeah, I saw some really strange things. One or two of them were... You know, when I look back now, I, I, I know, you just laugh at them. But, you know, at the time, uh, I was down in the Greenwich Village, which is um, in the uh, southern part of Manhattan Island. I was in the street, and this... Oh, God knows what it was. I'm still... Well, take your guess if you want. Uh, it was like a half-man, half-woman. You, you know, take a pick. And... Uh, probably doesn't matter much anyway. Anyway, they were walking down the street and they had one of those... It was like a kick bag in a way, except um, the strap went... No, it wasn't a kick bag. You know those um, mariner... You know those bags the mariners have? It was something like that, except the opening wasn't at one end. It was uh, from uh, down the... Uh, lengthwise down the... Uh, this bag and there was a strap that went from one end to the other end and it was uh, just hung over the shoulder and it looked as though this person had been uh, shopping at the market. It was full of vegetables. Anyway, I was standing on this corner waiting for the lights to change and there was a few other people waiting for the lights to change too. This person comes along and looks in the... looks in the garbage here. Um, you know, the, the, those garbage cans that around the... Uh, on street corners and that. The ones with all the holes in them. Anyway, this person looks in there and they put their hand in and they bring out a, an ice cream cone. It's got still a bit of ice cream on it. I thought, oh, oh, yeah. It was even worse when that person <laughs> crossed the road and started eating the leftovers that they got out of the garbage can. I, I reckon that, that's as bad as I ever saw there. Come out of some of the uh, the underground railway um, stations there, and uh, you think that every uh, every drunk has had a piss on the uh, on the stairways at the night. Some of them absolutely stank. I remember I was downtown and I wanted to go uptown, and uptown now as things starts. I want to go to about 70th Street. Oh, that's Midtown, really. Anyway, I, I hopped on the subway. And I, I caught the wrong train. They have two trains that run north. They have what they call the Uptown Local and they have the Uptown Express. The, um, the Uptown... Local stops at every station, but the uh, the express oh, goes to uh, say. Well, I thought the express would stop at every twentieth station, which, uh, in my calculating, should have got me around Eightieth Street. I was going to seventy seventy seven. It was it was in the seventies anyway, so it was only about a five minute walk. So I hopped on the uh, on this train. 
And I see 40th Street go past, I see 60th Street, 80th Street, 90th Street, then I see 100th Street, and I'm starting to get worried because now I know that I'm entering in the Harlem and the, um, let's say the ethnic community, the blacks and all those people that live up there in Harlem, they don't like white people. And in fact, you are told not to go there. Seems strange, you know, these people complain about um, being a minority and being discriminated against, but uh, tell you what, you go up there and they will kill you. So anyway, I'm on this train now, I see 100 Street go past, I see 110th and, ah, oh, I'm starting to pack death now because uh, when, when I see 120th Street coming up, I know that I'm well into Harlem. Look, a lot of the trouble with a lot of the um, stations uh, on the underground. You, if you want to go downtown again, you have to actually go out into the street and cross down again to the other side of the street and catch the uh, southbound. So anyway, oh, after doing a, about losing about ten kilograms and about half a minute because of uh, sweating. This train stops at 120th Street. So I think, oh God, I, I have to get out before I go too much further into, uh, into Harlem. And I was even luckier because inside this particular station I could uh, cross the tracks internally without, uh, <coughs> without having to go outside. Which I was most, most thankful for. And I tell you what, I caught the first train out of that area. That is, that is one place you don't go. And it's amazing, you know. Now, there are people that lived in New York all their lives and have never been, oh, what, that half a mile or so up in the Harlem. You know, when you consider, there are some people that, let's say, I've always lived more or less where I am, but they've never gone further east than what you, anywhere near your place, which is what from from where I am. It's nothing really, but there are some people that have never been there and never will. Not that I wanted to go there anyway, because people said, "What's what do you want to go up there for? There's nothing up there except slums." I suppose who wants to go and see slums? So, there you are. Oh, it was, uh, you might think I'm a racialist. Well, it was just that the first, the first night I got in the, in the United States, I'd been there three hours, and I got robbed. I, uh, it's quite funny, really. When uh, I got robbed of a hundred dollars that night. Now, I have to edit the story down, so you'll have to uh, use your imagination uh, very fully. So, yeah, I, w I was um, staying up fairly close into Hollywood itself, which is a real dump of an area. You've heard of uh, um, Hollywood Boulevard, with all the um, names of um, actors 
in star uh, in, in a star form they have the star or the shape of the star and inside they have a name of uh, well either a director or some prominent person that worked in uh, in the film industry over the years all this in the pavement anyway Hollywood itself is uh, it's a like a, a big uh, Fitzroy Street it's a uh, not really your nicest area. Stayed on a hotel. In, uh, anyway, that's a few years ago. I stayed on a hotel in uh, Hollywood Boulevard. That was uh, $9 a day, so you don't expect a great deal for $9. Not in America. <laughs> anyway, what was I getting on about? Yeah, I was... Um, I was... Better. I was staying on Sunset Boulevard, actually. Uh, Almost right in what you what you think of as Hollywood, you know where the uh, Capitol Records building is, and what else is there? Hollywood Boulevard. I suppose about half a mile from. Uh, oh, just to name something, uh, you know the uh, the Chinese theatre where the uh, film stars put all their feet into the uh, in, into the uh, cement. Pity they didn't half of them didn't stick too. Well, I've got a photo um, of uh, myself standing there <laughs> in that stupid place. Anyway, what was I saying? I was, oh, that's right. I'm telling you how I got robbed one night. <coughs> anyway, I'm staying on uh, Sunset Boulevard. You know that Don Summer song that says, On the Sunset, On the Sunset? And Sunset Boulevard is full of uh, prostitutes. Oh, going right down in the West Hollywood, from Hollywood right down the West Hollywood. I suppose for nearly uh, two or three miles, nearly on every street corner, you know, there's a prostitute, or as the Americans say, a hooker. Anyway, I wanted to uh, go down the West Hollywood, so directly opposite from where I was, there was a huge supermarket, like, uh, oh, bigger than I've ever seen over here. It was just huge. Um, I don't know whether you've been to the one. You know, the... Um, the supermarket was at the New World or whatever it is in uh, um, Glen Huntley Road. It'd be about, oh, two or three times bigger than that. Huge place. And there was this huge car park. It was open 24 hours a day too, mind you. Seven days a week. And there was a car park out the front. It must have been able to uh, hold about a thousand cars. And... Uh, there was a taxi there, you see, so I walk across the road and I say to this uh, cab driver, Hey, uh, mate, uh, I should say, hey, man, uh, can you tell us, uh, I want to get a cab? He said, where are you going? I said, oh, down Santa Monica Boulevard. He says, oh, I'll take you down there, hop in. So I hopped in the back of this cab and there was three hookers in the back. And if you think you've had a few uh, suggestive words put on you, you ain't heard nothing yet to what these girls said to me. And um, by the time we got, by the time we got about half a mile away, or, or a couple of miles away, <coughs> they had um, they had uh, my pants open. Uh, my fly was undone, and certain 
Uh, well, certain... Well, parts of my anatomy were uh, being exposed by these um, prostitutes out the, uh, in the back seat uh, where I was. I think, oh, well, this is exciting. You know, you never know what you, you, know, you might win. And um, saying they wanted to do this and wanted to do that, and I thought, oh, this is quite interesting, getting better. So by the time we got down to, you know, where we were going, it was only about 10 minutes in the, in the car or less. You know, I was almost naked. Anyway, the car, uh, the, the, the taxi stopped, the, and before I knew it, these girls had got out. But what they'd done was they'd, they'd taken it. I'd been, every so often I'd touch my pop pocket when I had the, all, the, um, all the money, and I touched it this time, and all my money was gone. And I think I, I didn't even, ha even have enough money to pay the cab driver. I knew this guy was in it, but what can you do? What can you do? And they were all blacks, and I... You know, I was I was very disappointed because you now you you try and be reasonable type of person, and uh, I go and do this, and you know it's not as if they're you know they're getting it easy. I know there are a lot of you know the black American they're getting it awfully hard, and I can see why. You know, it's it's. People like that that uh, give them a bad name and wreck it for everyone else. Yeah, so I got robbed of a hundred dollars and got nothing for it. <laughs> Except uh, some experience. And I tell you what, the, I got out of the car because I, I, I remembered the cab driver's number. And I said, I'm going to get the police. And I saw a police car pull up opposite, and I went over, and I said, excuse me, you got a minute? And they said, shove off, buddy. And off they went. So, you know, they're more interested in, I suppose, giving people a fine or um, making a few dollars on the side than uh, helping other people. That's uh, what I think of the Los Angeles police. I don't think many people have a very high opinion of them either. Probably why they have to... Uh, go around like uh, uh, as if they're in the army <clears throat> so that was Los Angeles actually I'm going back there in, a, in about a month for about three weeks and I tell you what, you can get some really cheap um, transceivers over there. I went to Henry Radio about three years ago. And uh, they had some, uh, you know, the old Galaxy 5s? They had the old Galaxy 5s there, and they only wanted uh, about $250 for them. And uh, Collins uh, transmitters, I, you know, like the 75S1. They're only about, uh, I think, about $350. So it's, uh, it's not too bad, is it? It's such a, such a huge surplus market in the United States that uh, the cost of uh, second-hand gears has completely fallen. 
because you know what a lot of the Yanks are like. Turns the next model comes out, they must go and buy it. I don't blame them. If I had the money, I'd go and do it too. No, quite often, uh, I think you know, some people say, "Oh, you know, you know, what do you want to go and spend that money for?" But I suppose if you got the money, but you know, it's no one else's business, really, isn't? Like, uh, if I was a if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't be walking to work. I'd have the Rolls Royce out the front. I'm not proud to say I wouldn't either. I know, you know, a lot of people say that they wouldn't do this and they wouldn't do that, but you know bloody well that they would if they had the opportunity, and they'd probably be a darn sight worse. Well, you know, some some Australians can uh, really drive you mad, especially. Uh, I was just telling my, I got a flatmate here and uh, he's an American actually, uh, he's been uh, living out in Australia for a long time. He's a, his old man was a, was an amateur over uh, in Perth before he went back to America. And uh, it really makes you laugh, you know, I go on the cheap fare because, you know, I'm not a millionaire, if I, if I had the money I'd be sitting up there in first class. Instead of uh, being sitting right down on the back, almost in the back dunny, you know, with everyone else who are doing like cattle, but I don't care because I'm going there on the cheap, and that means I've got more money to spend on drink when I get there because the Americans love to drink. And, uh, oh, you see these people going on the cheap, and they turn around and they say, oh, I'm never going to come on this airline again because the surface is really bad. And you think, God, you know, if the surface is bad, why don't you, why don't you pay the extra money, you know, and sit up there in the first class and get the good service instead of uh, going on the cheap and then complaining about it. God, you know, some people they really, really annoy you, Tony. I, like, if you're going on the cheap, you don't expect first-class service, or I suppose some people do. And when they don't get it, they start whinging. It's the same as uh, people that watch TV programs, and, uh, you know, they you know, they'll watch the, uh, the whole lot, and then they'll ring up and bring on a lousy program, but they've, you know, they've sit, sat there and they've watched the whole thing. Actually, there's this old lady that um, that rings up, and she says, "Oh, she says, oh, the Asians. She says the Asians are coming in here and they're poisoning all the food. They're poisoning the food." She says, "I know, I know they are." She says, "I went into a restaurant the other day in Swanson Street, and she says the food was off. The food was off. It's been poisoned by the Asians." And she's saying. What can we do about it? So, you know, what can you say to an old lady who's, a, who's supposedly a war widow from Bendigo? So we just say, look, madam, um, we suggest that you uh, contact your local member. Ring your local member. And she says, oh, 
I rang the local member, but he doesn't want to talk to me. So we say, well, write him a letter. Write him a letter. She says, oh, I don't know his address. And we say, well, go and, go and see your local vicar. Your local vicar will be able to help you out. And she says, oh, thank you. And you know, she, she, um, she hangs up. But apparently she does it uh, quite frequently. <laughs> ah, so, uh, this goes to show you there's more than one rat bag in the world besides myself. Well, uh, getting back to something you were saying earlier, that was interesting. I didn't know that uh, it got engaged, uh, married. God. I wonder how old he must be now. He must be, uh, God, he must be 25 at least. 26? Because uh, it's years and years since, uh, you know, I've seen Carl. Years. Um, I'd even hate to hesitate even when I saw him last. And Dan, well, I mentioned the name there, it's UI, I didn't even, I haven't seen, heard, or anything about Dan through UI at least, at least for five or six years. It, oh, it, it's a hell of a long time. Might be even more, might be six, eight, nine years. I know the last time I saw Dan through UI, he, um, he was living with his parents. I think they lived in Glen Ferry Road somewhere, Hawthorne. And I don't think they were particularly keen on him being on the air. Well, that's, that's a long time ago now, and I, 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 I don't know. Well, I don't know what's happened to him. Years ago. Yes, I remember... That's right, I must have spoken to him when he had the 400. I'm sure I did. Oh, that's a long time ago, you know. A long time. And 3AKC, I've got a feeling uh, that uh, he's come up on 20 metres occasionally too, you know, Tony. Uh, I'm sure he came up on 20 metres. Um, there was a few stations that would come up there on... 20 metres to talk to uh, some of the Americans. I think the longest contact I had uh, went for about seven hours one day. That was with a station um, just outside of uh, San Jose. We talked about everything you could think of. And, uh, well, nearly everything. i tell you what, it upset a few people. They break in, they say... You shouldn't be talking about that. And you say, what is your call sign? What is your call sign? And they won't give it to you. They tell you that you're breaking the law, and when you ask them for their call sign, they won't give it. So they're breaking the law. Say so that if you start complaining about something on the air, Everyone will listen in, because everyone loves to listen to someone else complain about something.
Now I used to do it, what, what a few of us used to do was to wake up to this and we'd get on 20 metres and uh, we were running uh, the full power up there and uh, start beaming out to the States or somewhere and you know you'd hear stations uh, on either side of you and then you'd start complaining and, and suddenly everything would go quiet you know <laughs> on either side of your frequency it'd just go dead silent and you knew that everyone was listening to you so you make some stupid remark. You just wait for, you know, people just to break in. Because people love to break in and uh, and uh, make some remark, especially uh, if they disagree with you. But it's, it's much more difficult, you know, in this type of situation where, uh, you know, where you put the transmitter down and, you know, you, you just don't hear anything. There's no Vox. Uh, well, I've never heard anyone using Vox up here on... Uh, 160. But no one, uh, a lot of people use Vox up there on 20 metres and you hear everyone who breaks in. It's amazing what you hear too. Quite amazing. It's amazing, you know. Yeah, well, that was interesting too. Uh, you saying about um, Kevin there got the police to live down in, uh, I don't know where he lived, I think it was Asker Vale somewhere. I don't think I ever went down to where he was staying. I got a feeling he was a, he was lodging there with someone. And of course, um, I uh, I used to be uh, quite friendly with L Laurie, um, three old for whiskey. <laughs> I'd always have some time because. Um, he, he's a he's a good old drunk. I, I've known Laurie now for about oh eleven years, and uh, there was uh, there was quite a few uh, nights when uh, we used to go out and get absolutely rotten drunk. I think one of the funniest places we used to go to, and there was a lot of funny people there too, was a place called the International Club. The International. Have you ever been to the Waiters Club? Oh, they call it frenzy. I was trying to work, think of that the other day, you know, frenzy. But the, um, the Italian Waiters Club is just behind, uh, oh, very close to 3UZ. There's a, a laneway off uh, Burke Street that goes through to uh, Little Collins Street. And uh, you go through this old door and up this old wooden stairs into, uh, into the Italian Waiters Club. Years ago, there used to be another place called uh, the International Club, which was in Lonsdale Street, just around from um, the Comedy Theatre. Actually, going back towards um, Russell, just down from Exhibition towards Russell, on um, uh, the Shadow Commodore uh, side of the road. And it was in this really old building. It was on the first floor. And there was... This old wooden staircase that I'm sure was a bit just about to fall through because it was so rotten. Because I'm sure that you know, with the uh, amount of drink that must have been spilled on there by all the drunks that were uh, going to and from the place, and all the spit, it wasn't a nice place. You couldn't say you'll get you know uh, at two in the morning when you 
turned up there. You couldn't say that you were going to uh, eat at uh, Florentino's or Lazar's. They had one of those, to get into the place, they had one of those grills. Remember in the old lifts they used to have this like wire mesh that they used to uh, shut before you could um, go up. They used to have one of those and they used to keep it locked because I think they were playing um, uh, gambling. Uh, yes, they were gambling because they always had this room. They always kept it locked. They were gambling there. And also they used to serve Sly Grog too. Boy, was the red that they used to sell dry. God. It was that dry, you know, you'd wake up in the middle of the night you know, with the greatest thirst that you've ever had, as if you'd been walking uh, for, for two weeks uh, without water in the Sahara Desert. And you'd lose about a, uh, about a stone in weight through dehydration. It was dry, that red they sold. Anyway, Laurie and I used to go up there a lot with a few other people. A few undesirables. <laughs> Um, that's a while ago now, quite a while ago, and of course um, we were both members of the Musos Club too uh, for a long, long time. I've been a member now of the Musos Club for about three years. I uh, found I was going there less and less and less, and uh, you know, I think in the final year, which was about 76, I think I went there about three times that year, so just gave it away. Anyway, that's uh, about half an hour's worth, I suppose. And there's still lots to talk about, and lots that I've uh, forgotten, too. You get carried away here, and uh, you just forget, don't you? So, uh, I've got a feeling that your shack was very close to the back door. I know that, I think there was a back porch. Oh, it's a long time ago. Oh, when I went past there, uh, uh, it must have been yesterday. Um, I know I woke up early in the morning and I was, my flatmate came into my room and asked me if I could drive him to work because he was running late. So uh, he's got a car, so I drove him to work and on the way back I had to, I came down um, Bottom Street so I thought oh I'll just go run up and uh, just see whereabouts you are. So you've got a, I think I think you said a white HR. So I'll look out for it next time. Oh, you wouldn't have wanted me to call in because um, I'd heard you going on the air till about four in the morning. Uh, I thought well you, you wouldn't be too receptive if I uh, popped in with the time at about uh, half past eight at quarter to nine, somewhere in there. I thought maybe it's a bit bit early. Anyway, I'm lucky uh, I don't have to go to work now till uh, next Wednesday. Five lovely days off. So, to uh, work out what type of antenna I'm going to put up here.
Yeah, a lot of my trouble is too, and that, and that's I'm on the first floor. And uh, it's uh, quite a pain, quite a pain being on the first floor. In some ways it is, in other ways it's good. At least you haven't got people banging uh, up top when they come home drunk. Don't know whether you uh, do any shopping in Elsinwick or not, but uh, quite often you'll... If you ever see uh, some clown on uh, roller skates going up and down Glen Huntley Road, probably bound to, me, uh, bound to be me. It's amazing how many uh, strange uh, looks people give you, you know, just because I'm on roller skates. <laughs> if I'm up near Orong Road, I just need a slight push to get me going and I really don't have to uh, do any more work till I get down near um, down uh, towards the bottom of uh, Glen Huntley Road I can go about or oh, must be well, must be well over a quarter of a mile you know with just uh, standing there it's just yeah, the whole road's on a slight incline and it's enough just to keep you going in fact quite often you build up quite a speed you have to be a bit careful because there are a few streets jutting out here and there. And especially uh, a lot of old people that uh, seem to love to stop. You try and, when you're going roller skating on uh, on the footpaths, you try and guess what which way the, the people are going. With old people it's very, very difficult. You know, you expect them to go in a straight line or maybe to be uh, slightly one way or the other, but uh, they do exactly the opposite. And they wonder why they uh, get bowled over. I suppose they don't expect some clown coming down the road at about 30 mile an hour on the footpath on roller skates. Oh, you get, you know, little kids too. God, dear, some of them bloody cheeky. You know, um, I was going up the street. I just crossed Orong Road just about, uh, about two weeks ago. And all these little kids said to me, Hey, mister, don't you get sick of roller skating up the road? And I thought, oh, God. You know, I can see why uh, W.C. Fields hated kids. And I wanted to, and I felt like saying, Yeah, and don't you get sick and tired of using your big... I better watch my language here. Your big... Uh, opening your big mouth. I felt like putting me roller skating my foot right down their throat. Right, they're cheeky now. You ought, you ought to uh, come down the Channel 2 one Saturday afternoon when they're doing Countdown and see all those lovely little girls that love to uh, wave their arms above their head when they're doing the show. And um, you get a number of uh, girls that come down there on the off chance that they'll be uh, um, admitted um, without a ticket. And when they can't get in, you know, they'll... Um, Cost anyone who enters or leaves the building. Some of the things those girls say, oh God, you never heard language like it in your life. You really haven't. And these girls are only about 13 years old. You certainly wonder what type of families they come from. Probably come from the same type of families that would, uh, their parents would dob me in for uh, 
saying the wrong thing on the ham radio, but they let their daughters um, roam the streets all night. Get themselves into all types of mischief. You know, it's, it's amazing when you think that uh, the hypocritical values that people have uh, in our society, isn't it? You know, it's like uh, like a lot of these people that say, oh, you shouldn't drink after 10 o'clock at night. Oh, no, we can't allow that. We can't allow anyone to, uh, to have a drink after 10 o'clock at night. But they don't say anything about their friends who... Uh, who own these uh, discos and uh, nightclubs and can charge you a fortune to get in and then charge you two dollars for, uh, for a beer. That's all right then, isn't it? And they don't say how they're privileged to, you know, uh, they've got themselves into a, a club that's open every day till um, uh, 24 hours a day and they can have a drink whenever they want. because I, I really don't believe in legal laws. I think they're completely uh, stupid, absolutely stupid. Perhaps um, the only one I think that's uh, any use, and that's um, stopping uh, minors uh, from uh, drinking, but uh, I think with adults you should be able to have a drink whenever you want and buy it whenever you want. They're having to pay all these uh, ridiculous uh, prices for it. Completely stupid. Anyway, you maybe have fallen asleep this time. Yeah, I wonder how the uh, modulator's going. Wouldn't mind doing a frequency response on this transmitter one day. I changed all the uh, the bypass condensers in the in the uh, transmitter to uh, try and uh, boost up the uh, low frequency response a bit because it was certainly lacking before. Try and get some type of uh, broadcast quality out of it. So, are you ready for transmitting yet? And, uh, you know, if you uh, still go into the Wireless Institute meetings at all. I remember uh, my, when my father was alive, he, uh, he got up there once and he told them what he thought of them. And one of the reasons why, um, you know, a lot of uh, young people weren't uh, going into the meeting, you know, because it used to be like a geriatrics uh, uh, monthly meeting and they didn't want any uh, change from the way it had been run for the last 60 years. Which I can understand them in some ways. I suppose, you know, they'd been a member there long enough and they just didn't like change. Even I think that what would have been changed for the better. In fact, I still think that the uh, Wireless Institute should have formed a social club and uh, got themselves a licensed bar. And they would, they would have made a lot of money on the side.
this guy seems to think about is booze. To the, uh, if you're a member of the, um, say, the Wireless Institute, you could have had all these uh, members uh, for a social club. And you think, oh, yeah, I'll go, in, I'll go and have a drink at the club. And that's where the money is. That's where the bulk profits are in uh, running a bar. But they've always, um, well, it's Victoria in general, you know, always had this backward attitude when it came to liquor. You know, I think half our drinking laws are caused by um, people who probably had good intentions, but they're just, uh, just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. And I think many of our problems are caused by people uh, who are ignorant of the, uh, I think, the real facts. And I think while we have all these stupid church people that say you shouldn't drink on a Sunday, I don't think, I don't think we can improve things a great deal. Because uh, I think we, I think that if you, if you had almost unlimited uh, trading hours, seven days a week drinking, you'd probably find, I think, uh, less people would be drunk. Because there isn't that uh, need to go out and drink throw it all down so, because you have to be out by a certain time so says I that's my experience you know when you think in Europe you know you can go anywhere go to any uh, any bar anywhere in fact in America most uh, most places are licensed you know you can drink there seven days a week till uh, 1.30 in the morning. And I think it's about 4 o'clock in New York. And everywhere else in the world the bars are open on Sundays. But not here. Not here. Not Melbourne. We're too sophisticated. So. Talking about beer, I think I'll go and get myself another one out of the fridge. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. yeah, things are certainly um, a bit conservative. I believe they're even more conservative down in Tasmania. A friend of ours was... Um, shut that window and get rid of that buzzing noise. Down in Tasmania, he said it's just like Melbourne 20 years ago. If you can remember what Melbourne was like 20 years ago, that's what Tasmania's like now. In fact, what was that article I saw in The Age this morning? It was a classic. You know, we're, we're supposed to have the worst public transport system in the world. Did you read this? I'll just, I'll just read you this out. It's quite, quite hilarious. <clears throat> this is in This Morning's Age. Thursday, January the 10th, 1980. 
Victoria, the home of the infamous Red Rattler, is likely to have red hens running on its rails soon. The red hen is not a modern version of the 60-year-old Rattler. It's just a suburban diesel car used in South Australia, as in the last 30 years. But the South Australians are about to replace their old red hens with new air-conditioned superclass diesel rail cars. So, guess what? Vic Rail is negotiating to buy some of the, or get some of the 30-year-old cast-offs, minus the air conditioning and toilets, of course, for Victorian country services. The reason? Well, by Victoria's antiquated standards, the red hens would be an improvement. They would replace worn-out Walker rail motors, which were introduced just after the Second World War, but they were modern themselves compared to some of the 1928 rail cars that are still operating in Victoria. The red hens which were introduced in Adelaide in the 1950s are being sought because Victoria has a shortage of serviceable self-propelled rail passenger vehicles. Years of government neglect, particularly between 1928 and 1955, <laughs> you know, just a few years, when no metropolitan carriages were built, in Victoria has left Vic Rail still operating these 60 year old red rattlers. Vic Rail's general manager Mr Ian Hodges said yesterday the red hen negotiations how are you hen? involved leasing them but the questions of price and availability had not yet been resolved. It is believed that at least six could be involved for use on the Kyneton and Werribee lines. Isn't it incredible? I mean it's not just the rolling stock, it's the whole system. They had a ring rail. They had two ring rails. I think they had an inner ring and bits of an outer ring. And um, what do they do? They, they, they pull it to bits. It probably cost them more to pull it to bits than it would have to maintain them for the next 30 years. It's just so infuriating. I mean... You're just obliged to use, well, roller skates. I think you've got the best idea. Well, if I ever see someone going down Glen Hutley Road, says he rubbing his eyes, a bit of shoot through. <clears throat> if I ever see anyone going down Glen Hutley Road wearing a pair of roller skates on his feet or anywhere, I'll, I'll, I'll assume it's you, Tom. Hmm. <laughs> That's a laugh. I wouldn't dare wear roller skates. I'm just too, too gutless. I mean, it'd be most tainting. I've never, never tried roller skates. I've, I've been ice skating and I've been skiing. I went skiing once because um, a few friends were going up and I sort of got invited along, which was quite good because we got, we got in there super cheap because one of them was a member of one of the lodges up there. But uh, roller skates, I've never tried. I used to ride a bike when I went to school. I used to ride a bike from East Malvern down to uh, a school just down towards Hotham Street. But never roller skates. I wonder if you... Uh, I wonder if you ever wear them into work. <laughs> Quite taining. You could roller skate around the corridors. I presume they've got concrete corridors around some of the place down there. Um, <laughs> mm. 
<coughs> pardon me. What else? Oh, the Institute. Yes, the Institute's just a complete laugh. I don't think anyone really gives a damn about the Institute, one way or the other, particularly. There's always the few diehards that'll go in there and do the work and keep it going. We used to go into a few meetings, Ash, Ash and myself and myself used to go into the occasional meeting. In fact, Mike and I, um, I think our first contact on 80 metres was, um, was Ian 3MO up at uh, Kyneton or wherever he is. That was our first 80 metre contact. I think that was before either of us got a licence. It was just coincidental that the call sign that Ash decided to use was ASH. And when he finally, uh, when he got his licence a few months later and went in there to, uh, when he passed his exam, that is, a few months later and went into the department to, to get a licence, he asked them if he could have ASH and they were well awake for some strange reason. They sort of said, oh yes, uh, we can imagine why you want that call sign or some such comment. But, um, yeah, the VHF, we used to go into the VHF meetings. We we sort of went to a few of the geriatric meetings once or twice. Um, just sort of, I don't know, because we wanted to see what was going on and it was sort of... We used to sort of mainly work 80 metres and 160 metres and it was quite entertaining for us um, because we'd only just sort of gotten involved. We found it immensely... Um, entertaining to go in there on the off chance of seeing some of the people that you'd been listening to on the air. You know, we used to wonder what what Charlie 3ACR looked like or Lynn 3ARL or a lot of these guys. I don't think Henry had come on then. I think Henry uh, um, Henry Pierce 3EN came on 116 about 1970, 71. I think by that time we'd stopped going into the meetings. But we were curious, you know, some of the, the call signs that you'd heard around the place and you you wonder what the voice on the other end of the call sign really looks like. But, uh, oh, some of those guys, yeah, some of them, really old, some of them. I reckon some of them, two or three of those guys must have been just about pushing 80. They were quite well-known personalities. Nothing... Nothing against that at all, but um, um, as you say, they super conservative, and they could do a lot with something like that. And anyone that suggests any sort of widening out and broadening out of the whole thing, like maybe setting up a bar and uh, just you know generally having a good time. Um, you'd be frowned at because, well, because they didn't think of it. You'd be uh, looked down on. And they'd sort of say, well, their, their immediate reaction always in any situation like that is, well, if it's been good enough for us for the last 30 years, um, the fact that you're trying to change it now um, appears to indicate that, that you don't think that that we've been doing the right thing. You don't think we've we've that we're adequate, and therefore, if you go around suggesting things like that, we're going to get most annoyed, and we'll think of every little reason that we can possibly come up with 
to to rubbish you to death and say how how bad you are and what a bad idea it is. And um, when you add up all those little defensive, humanistic, thoughtless reactions, which they are quite thoughtless when you think about it, this security, this whole security thing of... Hmm, well, it all adds up, as you said, to conservatism. That's what it's... That one single word describes it perfectly, conservatism. The fact that you're suggesting something new is immediately taken as an insult. It's immediately accepted that, that you're, you're saying that the way we've done things for the last 30 years isn't good enough. And we won't take these insults. It's a pity, really, because um, the world could adapt and change much more rapidly. I mean, let's face it, everything has to adapt. Nothing's static. Nothing stays the same. If you go back over the last million years, the one thing that's constant, the only thing that stays the same is change. And um, it's just a pity that when people get much beyond the age of about 25 or 30, they, they seem to think that they can hold things the same, this whole conservatism bit. But you can't. And... Um, People sort of being conservative like that and acting in a conservative way, they just, well, they, just, they slow down things which, which could be obviously for the better. They slow down changes which ought to take place, as well as possibly preventing changes that, that shouldn't take place. Um, you lose all the excitement in life. And... Um, if a change is going to take place, it will eventually anyway, so... Uh, I'm afraid conservatism does make for a very boring, disfortunate world. But um, it's the old human security thing, and you can't, you can't do much about it. People want security. They think that by being conservative, it's, it's more secure. And there's also this, this feeling... In the older, the more geriatric generation, there's this feeling of, uh, you know, if it, as, we, as I was saying before, if it's if it's been good enough for us, it ought to be good enough for you. And the fact that you're trying to change things would seem to indicate that you regard us as being uh, as having done an inadequate job, and that's a, a direct insult. And um, therefore, the logic is that um, what you're proposing must be bad. And don't ask me how that logic hangs together because I can't see how it hangs together, but, well, obviously they think it does. Um, anyway, you can tell I, I sort of agree with all your comments on having a bar and uh, so I think it would be an excellent idea. I don't really go in that much myself for drinking uh, anyway, really, to too great an extent, lately. I went through a sort of a phase, I suppose, up until I was about 26, 25, 26. I sort of went, went out madly getting deed, madly getting drunk everywhere, but um, last few years I, I seem to have just, I don't know, lost interest or don't bother. Well, I've sort of been vaguely, uh, vaguely entertained by trying a few other odd things, or one other odd thing anyway. We won't go into on on this air.
But even that's um, of no great interest, although it has its uses. Um, just looking down my notes here. Um, yeah, I saw Dan tonight, by the way. Dan threw you. I, I only see him about once every six months at the moment, but um, I saw Dan, went round, and uh, he's living with a girl by the name of Leah, who you wouldn't have met because um, Dan only got together with Leah around about 1976. And uh, this was well after he left home left his parents' place in Glenferry Road near the corner of... where he was near the corner of Glenferry and Riversdale. The big old uh, mansion there on the... Uh, what is it? The south... southeast corner next to the shops there. But uh, he's living over in Caulfield at the moment, at the moment over in uh, Emo Road, just down from Dandenong Road. And they're trying to get a place further down towards... Um, here, down towards Elwood, Elstwick, around this area, only renting houses at the moment. Dan's working full-time for his father's electrical firm, doing all sorts of odd things. So uh, he's getting on fairly well. Seems to be enjoying life. In fact, he's a father. He's a father now, so um, Leah's sort of putting the pressure on him to get married now which um, is most disfortunate because Dan's not terribly keen on the idea but I uh, don't know how long he can hold out he's been a father for about one and a half years now so who knows maybe he'll actually go and get married I suppose there's no great difference I mean they've been living together for three or four years anyway so um yeah, Laurie. Yeah, the first time I, um, I'd i seen Laurie for quite some considerable time, Laurie 3AW, was um, at Matt's funeral down at Geelong, and I've seen him a few times since then at uh, various um, drinking sessions around the place and so on. Laurie and uh, Colin and Marie and company. In fact, I talked to Laurie on 160 about uh, three months ago. I've got it on tape. In fact, what I might do when we finish talking in about five minutes' time, I'll uh, I'll stick it through the transmitter while I'm uh, doing some final clean-ups and adjustments, and uh, you can have a listen to how he sounds on 160. Well, you may have worked him on 160. I don't know. Laurie and, and myself just having a bit of a rave about antennas and so on. Very good on going back to the States. Yeah, it sounds like a really exciting place. I'd quite like to go to the States. In fact, I was always very, you know, very much along the lines of uh, I wouldn't go to the States, I'd rather go to Europe. But now I sort of wonder. I don't know. Touch and go. Ah, uh, yes. Old Mo. And then 3MO. Um, 
He was absolutely incredible. We were having this incredible contact. As I say, this is, I think it was either just before Ash got his licence or um, just after he got his licence. And Mo was talking about, he's talking all this complete rubbish. He sounded like he was completely drunk. I mean, he probably wasn't, but to, to the average geriatric that tuned in, they probably would have assumed he was drunk. He was talking about dorsal fins. He reckoned there were dorsal fins coming up the main street in Kite and he said there were sharks coming along the street and they were going to attack people and I can't really remember all the other rubbish that went on but we sort of crept on in a similar vein and the contact sort of went on like this for about two hours <laughs> and uh, then this geriatric broke in I think it, and he said he was a radio inspector and he was going to report all of us and, and all this sort of crap and uh, we were quite annoyed because we, you know, nothing had been done against the regulations even. We were having a hilarious time, but uh, uh, you hear people having a contact and laughing their heads off and having a really, you know, enjoyable time and uh, you can almost bet that some geriatric's going to come up on the frequency. Sometimes the geriatric might only be uh, 19 years old too. I mean, geri geriatric, geriatricness, geriatricity, um, got nothing to do with age at all. It's, um, well, not that it's got nothing to do with age. It's not only a function of age. It's um, just as much a function of, well, I don't know, conservative state of mind. People who've got closed minds, people who, who are afraid of, I don't know, Geriatric. I think it speaks for itself. <laughs> um, anyway, they popped up and told us to get off the air and stop doing such silly things and everything. It was probably our first silly contact. I think that was probably what made us... Ma we made up our minds after that happened that every contact that we had now for the rest of our lives was going to be in a similar vein. <laughs> and I think we've more or less stuck to that. What else have we got here in the way of notes? Oh, you might just tell me quickly before you go, Tom, um, because I, I don't want to stick around too long. As I say, I want to clean up the rest of the meters around here. Um, do a couple more tests. You might just tell me, uh, when you go to the States, how do you go about finding a place to stay? How do you organise where you're going to stay or, or look for a place? That's always intrigued me. Um... What other comments have I not made any reference to um, the Musos Club? Yeah, I know Matt used to go to the Musos Club and Laurie and Colin and a few other guys. I never... Oh. Um, yeah, I was going to play you a little bit of yourself back, so I'll do that in a sec just before you shoot through. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, finding a place to stay. How do you go about that? And... Um, as I say, just running through these comments quickly. And uh, I don't know the Musos Club at all. Well, I seem to know an awful lot of people that um, go there or used to go there. Uh, I have been up to the Italian Waiters Club. Well, I didn't know that was what it was called. You jogged my memory. Matt and I went to this place in the city one night and it was exactly how you described it. We went up to 3UZ we went down a little side lane, going 
going south next to 3UZ and then we went up this long wooden staircase on the outside of the building and um, we managed to get some uh, something to drink a few glasses of beer and so on at uh, you know about 12 o'clock at night or something so obviously that was the place the Italian Waiters Club so I certainly would never have known the name of it I don't think well, Matt probably mentioned it at the time, but, uh, yeah, that was quite a few years ago, back in about 70... would have been about 72, 73. It was after Matt moved across to uh, Cardigan Street. Um, that's about it, I think. Any other comments that I had to comment on? Yeah, New York, it's a pity. Um, it does sound like it's, um, from what people have sort of told me and what I've read, um, sounds like the uh, the city um, the city fathers are, are fairly bankrupt and they haven't got enough money. They can't get enough into the city coffers to, um, to keep the place, uh, you know, to look after maintenance of the place. And, uh, you know, routine things like garbage collection and keeping the place clean are uh, a bit difficult to to do anything much about without the money being there so uh, as you say about coming out of the tube trains and all the drunks have been doing certain things on the steps and the place stinks and all the rest of it here yeah. it's one unfortunate aspect of it but it's interesting to hear what you said about um, some of the various excitement factors of it sounds quite quite entertaining one of one of my younger cousins just went on a, a student exchange thing over there for 12 months and she was living quite close to New York she had a few uh, interesting little stories to tell too sounds like quite a nice place to uh, to go as you say from a, a nightlife point of view and so on really exciting Anyway, um, that's just more or less by way of commenting on all your comments, Tom. I won't bring up anything new. Just at the moment, we can uh, hook up one night at, at a bit of an earlier hour, and so we can uh, rave on for a bit longer. So I'll just stick it back. No, hang on. I'll play a little bit of yourself back. Just stand by. And uh, there was always somebody to talk to. Because there wasn't someone, you know, for ten minutes, you'd go back ten minutes later and the band would be open somewhere else. And, you know, you, uh, you just... Because every time you turn your antenna, you got uh, to a different part of the world. You know, one part would close up and another part would open. In fact, I remember years and years ago, there was absolutely nothing coming through. And I had this wonderful tower. In fact, the tower was about 70 feet high. It was a three-section wind-up one. And uh, there was always somebody to talk to. Because there wasn't someone, you know, for ten minutes, you'd go back ten minutes later and the band would be open somewhere else. And, you know, you, uh, you just... Because every time you turn your antenna, you got uh, to a different part of the world. You know, one part would close up and another part would open. In fact, I remember years and years ago, there was absolutely nothing coming through. 
And I had this wonderful tower. In fact, the tower was about 70 feet high. It was a three-section wind-up one. And uh, silly fool me went and sold it. But um, I had a 204BA that's a, um, a four-element 20-metre. It's a 20 on a short boom, 20, 26 foot. And, um, God, that, uh, that antenna worked. Uh, one night I had it pointing north. There was absolutely nothing coming through, and I gave out this call. This guy come back and he was in Siberia. said I was the only station he could hear on the whole 20 metre band you know and I thought oh isn't that nice tap 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 on the back nice when you get uh, reports like that you seem to think that it's all worthwhile of course uh, I don't know how many people uh, listen to these transmissions uh, well I know you've been on 160 for years on how many people listen to uh, that harmonic uh, down around 3UZ. I suppose a few people in the local area must hear it. For about 20 yards or so. Maybe a bit more. But I don't know. Five o'clock. We're coming up to it. And the ABC will be on the air. You know, I've been with the uh, with them now for 13 years. Some people say, oh, gee, uh, you've been there a long time. And I say, no, compared to some people, I'm only a youngster. Which is true, you know, there's some people, um, some of those old techos have been there for, um, there was one chap that retired, been there for 50 years. Long time, isn't it? Well, he'd been with the uh, PMG for 50 years, so he started off with the PMG and he soon went over to the ABC. Long time ago. I think he may have worked there when no, it was the Australian listening. Broadcast on, House. Uh, something else. Oh, my God. Look at this. <laughs> Broadcasting Company, I think it was. Because uh, uh, the ABC has never always owned... Uh, An officer will be in duty the whole time. TBL and and camp bed on the roof. And by private, uh, he will stand guard with a mild machine gun. Over. <coughs> and uh, I see that uh, Channel O is officially coming on the air. I think it's when? Uh, Sunday the 20th. Well then, where was I? Where was I? Got no, the wallet? Channel 10, I mean. Channel 10's coming on the air. Blade. Sunday I'm the 20th. That in case I feel depressed. I haven't seen them uh, doing any tests yet. Uh, might yeah. be interesting, you know, uh, to uh, put the TV on uh, late at night because... Delays in traffic, Victoria Parade... Me, I can't see them uh, starting transmission. Will be later on this the first time they turn the set on. Then. Maybe they're putting... Oh, of course, I'd have to check out the aerials too. Maybe... Uh, new radiation pattern on the aerials. But I don't know, I've heard different reports about what they're doing. I've heard that they're going to take one uh, stack down and do them stack by stack at a time. Because what are they, they're, um, 
large stacked arrays so if they take off the top ones or take off the bottom uh, uh, aerials and then slowly work their way up Russell, Russell, Russell. so gradually channel O signal gets weaker and channel 10s get stronger one way of doing it paper made or paper probably, made uh, that, probably the only way of doing it they're taking each other It'd over. It'd be a big, uh, big job too. I'd hate to uh, take all those half-wave dipoles down on six metres. It's the most weigh a ton. Either that or they want to give me a pair of shoes. Uh, on the, um, at the top of the Empire State Building, uh, around the, um, the perimeter, right up the top, oh, the if there's a small um, lookout, which I suppose is about 12 foot in diameter. Or and uh, if you look outside, there are... Um, all these um, dipoles, well, they, they look like boxes, but they're dipoles, I think. I used and uh, <coughs> it was, you know, the, the aerials are, are not horizontal, they're not vertical. The uh, the actual aerials would be on about a 45 degree angle. Get it fixed. And there, and there must be about eight or nine of them around the, um, the top of the tower to give... Uh, I suppose to give the uh, uh, oh. coverage, and uh, into each of those aerials, I think there's something like uh, ten, ten or twelve FM stations. They don't give you one for the weekend. Is it on the rear? And there's a lot more than that. Trouble. Because now on top of the um, World Trade Center, there's a huge, huge tower on the top of that. No. That's full of TV and uh, FM uh, radio stations. Oh, here's some yeah, I'd hate here's to think how many stations are in New York. In New York. Hmm. <laughs> I don't mind going back there, you know. I just wouldn't mind it. I can understand how people want to live in that place because everything is there. There's no real reason to go out. Because I always thought the city like that five minutes oh well if you've been there a couple of years that it seemed to uh, hemmer you in and uh, you'd feel confined you know as if you're living in a straitjacket but uh, and, and also not only that but in such a small place with so many people that you tend to lose a certain amount of your individuality but I don't know the people seem to think that um even though it's such a large city, there's everyone is still an individual, and uh, they don't feel this uh, cramped feeling. Strange when you look at Melbourne and see how big Melbourne is. Everyone feels crammed in, don't they? And all they can think about is getting out. Don't blame, actually. You know, when you go to the MCG and you see the way these um, these people behave, they're like animals. Just like animals. Sometimes I think we should have the voluntary euthanasia and, uh, you know, they, these people, you know, just get, if you could just get rid of them. He's got to complain about. He's got about three IC22s and got about 
about three uh, ten metre rigs and uh, I don't think he ever uses them. I'd never heard him on the air. I think he just likes to look at them. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he switches them on every so often just to see if they work. Maybe got two of them so he could listen to himself uh, through um, the other one. I don't know. Maybe he's kinky for IC22S's. You know, there's a, there's a guy I work with. You know, this guy is really smart. He's, he's quite clever. There's no doubt about that. But he's just such a prick of a person to work for uh, or work with. Because he's only, he's what, 21 or something, and he, he thinks he knows everything. You know, just, um, just a rude person. That's quite often you'll find that people who are ultra-conservative are also very rude. Terribly rude. But they think they're being smart. They're, um, quite often you find conservative people are, have no feeling, you know, for anything other than themselves. Very cold. Oh well, I don't care what they do as long as they don't affect me. So help me God. Anyway, look, I'm going to let you go to bed now, I suppose. It's uh, seven minutes after five. And it's uh, time that... Um, time I cleaned up my room, actually. It's a big sty. I cleaned it up last week. I suppose it's time I cleaned it up again. Anyway, my doona awaits me. As soon as I can finish this beer. And, uh, go to bed. I'm supposed to, I think, go to that funeral today. I hate going to funerals. Just see if I'm up in time. Oh well, a nice quiet weekend uh, to uh, contemplate what I'll do next week. Any report? I didn't go out last weekend. Uh, I went out during the week. I went down to that place called Babes Discotheque. Hate the place. Hate it. I've got a better sound system here than they've got there. Because um, well, I must admit, I do like disco music. Go. Uh, Seems to get me moving a bit sometimes. And nothing else can. And the um, <coughs> system here is quite adequate for uh, reproducing some of those lows. Uh, I'm fairly lucky because uh, I worked up the Dover Hotel for years um, as DJ there, for want of a better name.
mostly just called myself the record player. But um, I'd supply all the equipment, and uh, that way I got myself a reasonable um, speaker system, which uh, I've now got here. So I can... Um, I've got four 15-inch bass speakers in the living room, and each of them weighs a ton. Actually, uh, I've got two uh, sets of 15-inch uh, um, tenoys, and I've got a, a set of uh, Voice of the Theatre LTEC system. So, but with the two of them going, it makes a bit of noise. Because I don't think you've got enough, uh, it's loud enough until the ba you can feel the bass bouncing off your chest. And you can't hear yourself think. That's providing you're not suffering a hangover. Ah, well, it's um, 11 past five the time. Never trust the person who doesn't drink. That matter, you can't trust anyone who does drink, can you? Went out. Got home about two o'clock. Now, this would be in the forenoon, wouldn't it? Practical use. It's Before a, morning. You see the last episode of I Claudius? And I can see all the lights on the fourth floor at Rip and Lee are on. Cleaners must be there. Because he's Claudius is ruminating and flashing back, you see, so in this flashback. So I don't have to go to work till uh, seven fifteen next Wednesday morning. I suppose it'll be another week of all morning, just playing uh, test pattern and music. I, uh, part of my duties, uh, uh, playing the test pattern music. You may have uh, met some other people that uh, do uh, work in the continuity booth. Uh, and uh, we just sit there on boring mornings and just play music. Uh, well, seven-inch tapes, just one tape after another tape. It's a bit boring after a while. But look, um, I'm going to go to bed. I'm not uh, being very far. In fact, I'm sitting right next to it almost. In fact, uh, looking out of the, uh, I think it'd be the east window should be uh, looking towards your way. Yeah, anyway, we'll um, go to bed now, I think. I think I've uh, omitted probably to say half of uh, what I thought of saying. So I don't write a great number of notes, I try and put it all to memory, but uh, that's not altogether successful. I'm sad, sorry to say, but it, I think my mind is, ga uh, is going a little. I don't seem to be remembering the things that I used to remember.
I reckon you have to be a little bit mad so you don't go stupid, Dyster. You remember the old graphs where you had a north-south and a uh, vertical uh, and, uh, and then you had a horizontal axis and then you had a zero point and everything to the, the left was... Um, was negative and uh, to the positive uh, to the right of the uh, the axis was positive no it said that you know madness was positive and stupidity was uh, negative and that you had to be slightly mad so you didn't become stupid and i see nothing wrong with doing some crazy things like going on roller skates and that you know, people say, oh, look, you, you know, you're bloody stupid, you know, going on roller skates. And then, I, you know, I walk down, uh, you know, you stand on the corner opposite the, um, the Austinwick pub and you, you, you look at the Austinwick park there. And what do you do? You see all these grown-up people with hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of equipment, all these funny... Uh, type bats just to hit a little white ball around the field now if you think that's if they think i'm crazy you ought to think you know, see what i think of them just hitting a little white ball around uh, around the park just um, getting some enjoyment out of it i was no i think i don't care what people do actually you usually find that people that complain about me on roller skates are usually just the ones to, um, who would like to use them. But they're, they're not game. I, um, we had a, a big uh, party at work uh, just prior to Christmas. And uh, I rolled uh, to the party on roller skates. Everyone says, oh, look at that stupid fool there. Look at him. Look at him on roller skates. Mad, mad fool. Yeah, yeah, you get a couple of hours go by and a few more drinks. And it's amazing just how many people come up and say, oh, can I try your skates on? Well, talking about, oh, that's right, you wanted to know about the states. Well... First, uh, I've been there about three or four times now, and I suppose every time you go there, you, you learn something new that makes it easier. Now, when you go, the first time you go, you don't know where to go or what to do. And then, you know, as you, when you're there and you usually found the wrong place to uh, stay, you know, as you walk around, you see other places. And, you know, you start to hang around a certain area more than you'll hang around another area. So, you, and you see where the hotels are, and you just go and stay in those hotels the next time you go there. You know, and you get talking to people, and they say, "Oh, look, stay here, and or stay there, and don't go here, and don't go there." You know, and you, you know, you. You know, you, you see people quite often, and uh, you know, you get quite uh, friendly with them, and. Next time you go, you know, you, you can go and stay there with them. So, that's, uh, you find the Americans, you know, very friendly people. That's something I'll say for them. Very friendly people.
They uh, they like to eat well too. That's something I've never seen. Such big meals, you know, when you go into a restaurant. Oh, some of those, they just feed you and feed you and feed you. I wonder why uh, many Americans are so fat, because uh, they certainly like to eat. You know, and such large quantities of food too. Amazing. Uh, there's one place near where I was staying that was called the Great American Food and Beverage Company. And uh, the food, they, they'd give you so much food, you'd have to get a doggy bag. There'd be enough food to keep it going for about three meals. I stayed in one great place there. If you ever go there, um, I could tell you the name of this motel. It's called the Tropicana. It's uh, down in West Hollywood on Santa Monica Boulevard. And uh, there's a singer that lives in the back. His name is Tom Waits. And uh, it was only by coincidence that, you know, I found out that he's living there because apparently a lot of people think that he's staying in this real dive place. And it's a motel. It's a... It is a bit of a dive in some ways, you know. It uh, could do with a bit of maintenance in certain areas. It looks like all the maintenance is done by Spanish by the Mexicans, you know, who are getting about uh, 30 cents an hour. And the work looks like it's being uh, paid uh, at a rate of 30 cents an hour too. But there's a swimming pool there and they, they painted the bloody thing black. And I said to them, why did you paint the, the pool black for? And they said, oh, because, you know, we wanted to make it look like a black lagoon. You know, in, uh, you know, Los Angeles. You'll stay in uh, Los, uh, Los, uh, Los Angeles, and uh, this is uh, West uh, West Hollywood. In fact, they made a movie in the in the motel. It was called uh, Heat. Oh, that's uh, that's years ago now. It was one of those Andy Warhol uh, movies. Uh, more of a skin flick than anything else. That was set around the swimming pool. Amazing the different characters that stayed there too. A lot of uh, show business people uh, stayed there. In fact, um, I was sitting around the pool one day and there was um, a guy started talking to us and he came from New York. He was uh, in, uh, in Hollywood to uh, uh, be on this uh, stage play with um, a director called... Um, Joshua Logan. It's funny you saying about your... you think your brain is going or something before. <clears throat> Immediately after I played back that segment of what you were saying earlier, I then wound the tape back to continue recording on the other track and I forgot to switch the track selector. So I proceeded to do about three minutes recording over the track that I'd already just recorded, which wouldn't do much for the continuity of it, which is typical of the fact that my brain is, well, it's either going or it's gone. Just flicking through the green guide here, just as you started putting it over. Barbara Horn. 
Oh, she's taking over from the Amy's. I didn't know that. I wonder why the Amy's is going to 3AK, apart from more money. Oh, he probably thinks he'll get on the Visions. That must be it. I'll bet he, he's probably been offered Visions work. Before you know what, what's going on, he'll be doing Boothie's work. And then he, he probably thinks that he'll be taking over from... from um, What's his name? Don uh, Thingo. Don Lane. Um, did he have fairly good ratings? I couldn't stand him. I thought he was just a total plastic, boring, talk too much waste of time. But, um, I suppose he must have had a few a few followers. I must say I didn't really listen to him that much. So uh, I probably didn't listen to him often enough to really get an idea of whether I liked him or not. But sort of the few times that I did listen in and hear the Amy's, I just thought, you know, my only reaction was... Bleh. What's this? Ooh, 3AW has joined in the campaign to reduce crime in the suburbs by asking listeners to report suspicious activities in their neighbourhood. Oh, that should be taining. Ah, yes. Just imagine these phone calls. Mrs McGillicutty next door. I'm looking through the window at the moment. I've hopped over the side fence. I'm looking through the window. And I'd hate to see... Say what Mrs. McGillicutty's doing to Mr. McGillicutty. What else we got? Skyways made an unimpressive return flight on Monday. Another uh, Crawford production. Oh, video discs here next year. Video disc players are expected to be on sale in Australia next year. That's interesting. Next year. Will that be 1981? See, I don't even know what year it is. I'm going to tell you. Um, they use discs like LP records to show films on a TV set. I can't really... I don't believe that. I seem to remember seeing a, a similar article in Electronics Australia and other ma magazines like that, Tiny Tots, over the last 20 years. Hang on. Du -du -du -du. What would it be? Some sort of holographic recording or something. Obviously it wouldn't be magnetic. Just looking Obviously. to see what it could... Eh? Obviously. Obviously which? Not magnetic. No. You wouldn't get long enough for it to be commercial. They use lasers and things or capacitive pickups. The, the laser system was described in, in Tiny Tots in about 1960 and they said it was going to be released next week. <laughs> so, uh, 20 years later, we get the same article in the Green Guide. Phillips, eh? Do -do -do -do. Well, they're talking about VCRs for using tape there, that's nothing. Mm. 
Oh yes. It's different from other systems in that there is there was direct contact between the disc and a needle. What was this? There was direct contact. Most other video disc systems operate with a laser sensing system making direct contact. Oh, I think that second last paragraph should read it's different from other systems in that there was no direct contact between the disc and the needle. Most other video disc systems operate with a laser. What? Let's get this right. I think there's some punctuation missing here. Most other video disc systems operate with a laser sensing device making direct contact between the disc and the machine unnecessary. Thank you. So the second last paragraph was right. Oh, never mind. Nice. Well, that's about all. Just looking to see if there was any anything of great attainment in the uh, in the green guide. Oh, PBS! I've got to mention. Um, yeah, we do sort of vaguely know a few of the guys um, mixed up with PBS. Tom, they um, tend to pop up on two meters from time to time. Um, I haven't been personally involved in it um, to any great extent. I went to a few of their early formation meetings back in uh, whenever it was, 1976, 77, when they first um, put a little article in the Green Guide saying, we are interested in forming an FM station. If you are interested, come to our inauguration meeting, whenever it was. Um, comment. Most FM listeners are already this is interesting. Most FM listeners are already well aware of the amateur status of announcers on stations such as Triple R and PBS. Oh, I see it's mainly about Triple R. I'm sure many Triple R listeners were rightly shocked to hear a female announcer last Saturday say, Remember Joy Adamson who wrote Born Free? She got killed by a lion yesterday. And then play a version of The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Any commercial announcer who did such a thing could be certain of being sacked on the spot. And even though the woman concerned later said she wasn't making fun of Adamson, the incident doesn't deserve to be overlooked. The only legal restrictions... Enormous amount of freedom... Newcomer PBS should consider this too as a handful of its more enthusiastic announcers have let through some music and comments that could have offended listeners. Oh. Didums. Oh. Who writes comment? John Turds. Well, that's rather appropriate. Comment written by John Turds. Eh? Yes, appropriate, I think. Anyway shades of what we were saying earlier about conservatism and yes if people are offended they know exactly what to do there's a little knob on the side of the wild set yes we say morning too and we'll catch you as i said tom i mean sorry me and my tapeworm no um i'll catch you don't know why i keep saying we no doubt further down the the power bill 
um, at a later date when we're both wide awake. Struth, my coffee's gone cold. I forgot I had it. So we say morning. Saying a very good morning, daytime, afternoon, evening and night. And yes, the sky's lit up. What a fact is. We say morning. Toodaloo. There's a station over in um, Western Australia. It's on 20 metres. Ah, <laughs> oh, God. Used to be uh, some characters on the air. Some real characters. Some real stirrers, too. Like, you know, for years I was stirred by these um, two older guys. And uh, they used to always tell me I had a terrible transmission. I don't think it was, you know. I think they were just um, having me on. Not very funny, actually. Not very funny at all. I probably thought they were being very, once again, being very smart. Yes, oh well. Dave, if you're copying out there, you're um, you're up uh, pretty early, aren't you? Or pretty late, or whatever. Tony, take care. Oh, yes, yes, I I know John. Uh, getting back to three uh, hello again. I know Amy's because you know. Uh, in fact, I was working with him, uh, when was it? Was it last weekend? I think it was last weekend, one day last weekend. He's, uh, he's quite a stirrer. He put me, he rang me up one day and put me on the air and I had to use a, a bogus name. I was Ben of Brighton. He drove me to get to uh, say some of the dreadful things, you know, about other people that work at the ABC. And I wouldn't say them. He was trying to get me to say them on air, too. So, I can tell you exactly why he's leaving. But perhaps we'd better leave it that um, he's just going to greener pastures. For the present, anyway. Well, that's it. It's time to give it away, I think. Yeah, well, next time we'll have to have a nice long conversation, I think. Just uh, just getting uh, back into the, uh, the roll of it again. Now, quite often, you know, on 20, everyone thinks 20 metres is a band where you just say hello, goodbye, and, uh, and uh, kiss me bum, but uh, it's not really that way. You know, uh, quite often, you know, I've gone on 20 metres and had conversations that go for an hour, which isn't bad, you know, for uh, that's an hour to a, uh, for an overseas contact. And some of them have been even longer. So, you know, it's not too bad. Not too bad at all. When you consider what the uh, band conditions are like and what you've... all the interference you have to uh, put up with on 20 metres, 
but of course this is the uh, the top band here the gentleman's band anyway must go we'll uh, catch up with you later tony but i must say the signal does sound very good at the moment i got it coming through the transistor radio here sounds very good so there you are okay we'll see you later So, Tom, what's we'll start at 10 o'clock next time? Quite taining, quite entertaining. Mm. It's a pity if, um... string up a better antenna, Eddie. Yeah. Righto, well, I'll just go and run some silly test tones or something and finish cleaning up, as I was saying. Yeah. Oh, listen, can you ask Tom to tell Ruffy that I'll get his uh, handheld transceiver back to him next, uh, next week sometime? To tell who? Ruffy. Greg Bruff. Handheld transceiver will be gotten back within the next week. There, Tom. Okay. Um, I'm just looking to see if 2 metres is patchable. Oh, it is actually. Except which lines are on? Is 2 on 2? Yes, 2's on 2. 